I quit. Ah, how's it going, everybody? Uh, welcome <laughs> to the Game on Wisconsin Roundtable. We are here. It is Victory Sunday night. It is Victory Monday. Uh, whatever you guys want to call it at this point. The lights were definitely too bright for somebody, but it wasn't Aaron Jones. It wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It was not the Green Bay Packers. I am your host this evening for the Game on Wisconsin Roundtable live to you in the Game on Wisconsin studios. I am your host. Like I mentioned, I am Jacob Westendorf. I am joined by Jimmy Christensen uh, with the Aaron Rodgers' overrated board in the background there. Sarcasm just for people not who don't know. Sarcasm. Yeah, yeah. I, apparently, we have to uh, point that out for those that are <laughs> are in the uh, not quite on on the understanding of that language. And of course, I'm joined by two of my very good friends. I have Jake Stack, Jacob Morley. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at Jacob Morley of Packer Report and Arrowhead Pride. He does some stuff for the Chiefs, which is a interesting combination to say the very very <laughs> least. And uh, Jake, we actually added somebody recently. His name's Brendan, and his last name starts with a D. So I'm not even going to bother trying to butcher it because it's like DZ something. Uh, but I told him you guys are going to have to meet up sometime because he's also a Packers and Chiefs guy, but says he's never come across you. So I thought that was interesting. But Jake, welcome. Uh, you did the game preview from Packer Report this week, and uh, just say hello to the people and uh, how you how you doing. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. You guys have been doing some awesome stuff over here at Game On Wisconsin. So I'm. I'm excited to finally be on the airwaves with you, uh, with you handsome fellas. So it's going to be a fun night. Anytime I can add another Jacob to the show, I'm always happy to do that. So <laughs> thanks for joining us. And then, of course, the legend himself, Dusty Evely, has joined us from his basement with the devil horns thrown up, which I can always appreciate. Dusty, a big day from Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yes, we'll get to that. So I could not have this show without you today. But, Dusty, uh, <laughs> we started – it's kind of funny, before the show – Jake and I were in the studio by ourselves and we were kind of talking about the all 22 and all of a sudden a wild dusty Evely appeared. It was almost like you heard your voice and your ears were burning. So welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us guys. I just want to start with something very simple. And that is, are the Packers the worst one and O team in the history of the NFL? I'll go ahead and jump in here. Um, Jacob. <laughs> so if you, if you look at the notes and you look at the, the just the raw numbers, I think you have to take into a, you know, to account that they only possess the ball for 41 minutes today. Mm -hmm. And when you look at time of possession and you look at just like the raw analytics of it, 43 points really isn't that that great. Because if you think about it, 43, that's hardly more than 41. And so if you're hardly scoring more than one point a minute in, in the National Football League, you know, that's just not a very uh, that's not a very sustainable uh, thing to do, I guess, in the NFL. So I, I have to say, yeah, I mean, they're the most overrated one team in the league this year for sure. Yeah. And I don't want to harp on it too much, but they, they ran the ball. Um, you know, the numbers say, you know, it's in, it's more inefficient to run the ball. So they ran mm -hmm. it a couple times and I don't, I don't just don't agree with that at all. So yeah, no, absolutely. I think they threw the ball or excuse me, they ran the ball like 35% of the time, which is like 34%. The only time they should be running the ball at all is if they're taking a knee to run out the clock. And those are Correct. technically considered Correct. running plays. So mm -hmm. there you have it guys. The Packers are again, Despite notching something in the win column, Matt LaFleur moves to 14 and three in his coaching career, which I'm no mathematician, but 14 wins to three losses. That's pretty damn good based on what I'm thinking as far as math goes. But uh, it appears he is also still one of the worst coaches in the NFL. We're not sure why he got that job here in Green Bay. So the Packers are just unfortunate. They continue to waste Aaron Rodgers and are one of the worst one and O teams in the history of the world. So I, uh, it's unfortunate that the Packers are that way. So here we have it another year with the Packers being as poor as they are. Jimmy, any thoughts before we move to around the NFL with some, uh, some better teams that we can talk about? Uh, 
people are going to try to argue that it's the Jaguars' worst one and <laughs> team, but when you think about it, Aaron Rodgers is overrated. I'd rather have Gardner Minshew personally. So, yeah. Yeah, you guys both have epic mustaches, you and Gardner Minshew too. I know. Wait until it grows a little bit thicker and everything else comes off. Mm. People are going to question why I'm a teacher. <laughs> I am looking forward to mustache November. Jimmy, Jimmy, I tell you what, how about this? You and I, we're going to – no, my wife will leave me. She's already said that she will if I did just the mustache in November. So oh, I, can't really? make that, I can't make that pact with you on the air. No, never mind. I was going to say – Do it in October. Do. It's a loophole. No, said, it doesn't matter when. She said she'll shave it uh, when I'm sleeping or something like that. So <laughs> it's just not a, not a path I want to go down, guys. So, yeah, Jacksonville won today. I did think it was funny, guys. So the Chiefs and the Jaguars are the only two teams that were allowed in week one to host fans. And I did think it was kind of funny that one of those teams were the Jaguars, who even if it was a normal world, they weren't going to draw fans anyways. So yeah. what's the difference really going to be? But <laughs> let's start real quick before we get into today's Packers game. Let's go around the NFL a little bit. And I just want to see. What other games were you guys watching today? What else did you guys see? Something that I found funny that I know my mom will appreciate. I did think it was funny that Tampa Bay got beat as somebody who I don't typically like Tom Brady anyways. And as somebody who thinks he's washed up and have kind of been pounding that table that I didn't think anybody should really be pursuing him that actively. And I think New England upgraded at quarterback by getting Cam Newton as their starter. Uh, I know wins is not a quarterback stat, but New England winning Cam Newton getting a win and Tom Brady and Tampa Bay losing today. I thought that was kind of funny. And checking out the Arizona Cardinals scoring a big win over the San Francisco 49ers today. I thought that was a bit of a big one as well. But what are some other things, Jimmy, I'll start with you that you saw around the NFL just today, other than obviously the Packers game, which we'll get to here shortly. Yeah, I um, I, I caught the end of the Bengals game. Uh, Bengals versus the Chargers. <laughs> hold that, hold that. Where, where do I find that picture? Because that is fantastic. <laughs> oh, my God. I like that. <laughs> I don't even know if I can talk after that. Um, <laughs> no, so I caught the end of the Bengals game, and it was 60 seconds left, and Burrow was taking the ball down the field, and he got it all the way, uh, hit green in the end zone as an offensive push off. But he he looked like a poised veteran quarterback in his first NFL start, no preseason. Uh, I was really impressed. And then he had that scramble for a touchdown, and I guess I don't watch enough college football. I didn't realize how athletic he was, and then, but he looked he looked really impressive for his first go. Yeah, the Bengals obviously are going to be a fun team to watch if they can get him some protection. Joe Burrow is, as far as quarterback prospects go, as good as there has been since Andrew Luck. I mean, yeah. I mean, depending on how you guys felt about Patrick Mahomes, not to, I guess that's a perfect transition to the Kansas City guy over there for Jake. But yeah, Jake, what did you see around the NFL? Obviously, Kansas City got their big win on Thursday night, so we'll just stick with just the Sunday schedule. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Joe Burrow is a great place to start. Really fun for the first overall pick. Really, really sucks that that's how it ended for him. I was really hoping we get some free football there. Um, but Kyler Murray, too. You talk about him in Arizona with, with Cliff, and now he's got New Hopkins. Um, you want to talk about a dark horse MVP candidate. I mean, that guy, I think I tweeted it today. He's must-watch t- television. Like, you turn on the screen, and he's doing some fun, fun stuff. Uh, you already brought up Gardner Minshew as uh, – <laughs> I have no idea what's going on in Jacksonville with, with Gardner Minshew. Like, what are they going to do? Is he good? Is he actually good? He's beautiful. Uh, I like I like Minshew a lot. Like, I think he does – what he does, he does very, very well, and I think it's good enough good enough to win and good enough to be passable. Like, I, I like Minshew he, quite so the, a bit. My criteria for quarterbacks is, are, is he good enough to win a Super Bowl? Is he a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback? So, I, don't, I think if you don't have one of those, you need one. Is he you good enough to win a Super Bowl? 
I think he is. And if, I mean, if not now, but I believe he certainly could be like, he sees the field really well. I think the way he processes the way he reads, I think his arm's good enough. Like I think he could be, but I mean, <laughs> I was going to say they're not winning the Super Bowl this year, but I don't know, man, who knows? This year's going to oh, be I tell you what, Let's they've got some, it, man. Between DJ Chark and Visca Chenault, who's somebody that I was kind of eh, not real sure on going in the draft, he had a really mm-hmm. nice debut today. They've got some decent weapons down there in Jacksonville. I know the popular thought that was they were just trying to tear that thing up and blow it to pieces after the releasing Leonard Fournette. And I'm sure they still are. I'm sure that's their plan. They're not going to win a lot of games this year. But Indianapolis is a team who I personally think is a little overrated coming into the year. Uh, much like Tom Brady, I think Phillip Rivers is washed up. Uh, I think that his arm is cooked. So as I say that, he's going to have a vintage game against the Packers. He seems to save his best for Green Bay. So when mm-hmm. Green Bay goes there, I'm sure he'll throw for 300 and like four touchdowns. And hopefully Aaron Rodgers has another day like he did today. So Green Bay can escape with a win. Dusty, we've mentioned some of the big names. What are some other games you saw? Uh, I must ask, LOL Lions. That's mm-hmm. what I was going to bring up, actually. So I'm so I'm originally, I've talked about this before, but I'm originally from the Detroit area. So all the rest of my major sports teams are Detroit sports teams. I just, my dad, uh, dad was a Packers fan, raised us Packers fans. So, you know, thank God for that. So even though they're in the division, I still have a soft spot in my heart for the Lions. And just, I mean, that, <laughs> that loss, it reminded me of, it was like the, not quite, because he didn't name the rule after it. It was like the Calvin Johnson thing, whereas you, get, you drive down, you get right there, that ball is in DeAndre Swift's hands. He turned like he turns to look up field, but all he has to do is take one step back in the end zone. He does not have to turn and look at anything. That's just a perfectly placed ball over three defenders just falls incomplete. Like that one, uh, part of me, it's the Lions, so I don't know. Part of me believes that the Lions are better than the Bears. They at least have the capacity to be that this year. And so a loss early in the season to the Bears, who I don't think are going to be as good, like that's fine. Uh, but I also know the Lions find ways, new ways to lose every week. Uh, so that one uh, kind of broke my heart. And at the same time, just like, yeah, no, I've, I feel like I've seen this movie before. That was a, it is that was a good one. uncanny. Just – I. I, it was what it was 23 to six at one point or like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they, I looked up and it was 27, 23. I, they gave up 21 fourth quarter points to Mitchell Trubisky. And it wasn't even like, I will get into the concept of garbage time here in just a little bit, but obviously it wasn't garbage time. Cause they ended up losing I, the game. And then Stafford throws a perfect pass to Deandre Swift. And he's supposed to be known the, for his ability in the passing game. The go ahead <laughs> touchdown from Trubisky, I think was the Anthony Miller gorgeous mm-hmm. throw that was just really put it the only place it could be like just an absolute i mean i'll get on trubisky quite a bit because i'll you know i'll laugh at a guy who calls himself mr biscuits but my goodness <laughs> that was a ridiculous throw so that i'll get props for that uh is, is trubisky dropping 21 points in the fourth quarter and actually looking good the most 2020 thing to happen of this nfl season so far just give him the extension now just sign up <laughs> to a big money extension Please. right now Please do. 600 million <laughs> I did. I did make the joke last night that the only thing left, like nothing surprises me anymore. I said, I didn't believe in jinxes. Cause I was like the Cubs have won a world series, the Red Sox, like all that stuff. The only thing really left is for the bears to find a franchise quarterback. So I guess they have one. It's Mitchell Trubisky. So Ryan Pace, if you're watching and I know you are, there you go. Mitch is your guy. So mm-hmm. I believe the starting point is the Mahomes extension. So start there and just kind of work your way up from there. Uh, guys, 43-34 is the final score of your guys' game. Let's just kind of get a general overview. We'll get into some specific topics and everything like that from there. But just in general, first reactions, we've had about five hours to digest this thing. 
as a victory, I don't know when you guys had conceded that the Packers had won the game for me personally. once the score was 29 to 10, I was like, okay, it's in the bag. It's just a matter of what's the final score going to be. I know after a specific game in the Pacific Northwest, maybe I shouldn't think that way anymore, but I did. I'll be honest with you. Uh, but after seeing it that way, that's just the way that I felt at 29 to 10. You know, my first reactions kind of are, that's really what Matt LaFleur wanted his offense to look like, right? I know that uh, Dusty mentioned, I think in the the monologue here, that it's not really a monologue, I guess, if all four of us were talking, but the opening remarks that the all the stuff all offseason about how the Packers wanted to go more run heavy, which was just a complete bastardization of everything Gutekunst and LaFleur said all offseason was. What that meant was they wanted to tie the run to the pass. And actually, if you listened to Greg... Jennings of all people, which by the way, Aaron Rodgers having a vintage game with Greg Jennings in the booth, who has built his entire career, both in the NFL and post NFL and Aaron Rodgers is just glorious. But if you listen to him, he actually made a really good point about tying the running game to the passing game. And it was on a jet sweep action to Tyler Irvin. That's all it was. And this offense really was a, a today, at least a, perfect image. I think of what Matt LaFleur wanted his offense to be. They got some deep shots to MVS, which we'll get to in a little bit crossing routes in cutters to Devonte Adams. They really involved their number one receiver, which I mean, I know that a lot of people are kind of gnashing their teeth about who's going to help Devonte Adams, but I really do. I think sometimes it is as simple as we got a top five receiver, get him the ball. And sometimes it's as simple as that. They threw the ball to Jamal Williams, a bunch. They gave the ball to Tyler Irvin, a bunch. They used the tight ends. Josiah DeGuara had a good game. The receivers were in the blocking game. That's kind of my thought is really what Matt LaFleur's vision for this offense. And I think it's something that'll become more and more prevalent as the season goes on. And you see guys like Jay Sternberger and Josiah DeGuara and Bob Tanyan and guys like that get more comfortable. You'll see more and more of those things. Dusty, just again, a general overview could be offense, could be defense. What are some of your thoughts as, as this game's had given you some time to digest it? going to be offense Jacob you know it's going to be offense. well I mean hey <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I, I you know the 29 to 10 you saying you know that's when you kind of said hey they're going to win this is a really uh really good point I think um and something that I was kind of thinking about at the time because we when that happened I was watching with a couple friends like my brothers and a friend of mine we were saying okay now this is the point that last year they get up big and they just kind of or even the past couple of years they let them keep they keep getting back in the game the other team keeps chipping away keep chipping away what are they going to do and so at 29 to 10 that's when that felt like that was over and the floor just kept stepping on next man like it would have been so so easy to just say okay we're gonna we're gonna run the ball we're going heavy we're gonna we got Dylan let's give Dylan some more snaps not even just mess around but we're just going to try to kill the clock. They were still taking shots. They were still running their offense. They were letting Rodgers be Rodgers. Like they were just, they were doing everything they want that team to. I mean, if you didn't know when you look at it, that could have been a one score game, just the way the Packers were playing. They had that sense of urgency on offense, which they needed because the defense ended up letting them back in it. But I think LaFleur not going conservative, not trying. And we saw this from him last year as well. This isn't like, a, oh, he learned something in the offseason. No, last year he was putting his faith in Rodgers when he needed to, you know, at the end of a game as well. So, Seeing LaFleur come out, play call just aggressively that entire second half, even as like every <laughs> every time the Vikings got close, the Packers just wouldn't let them close. They weren't they were not resting back on anything. So I mean that combined with so much of the jet sweep stuff that you mentioned, Jacob, just that that we'll becomes this guy in here. <laughs> <laughs> Happy hour started early in Chicago. Boys. <laughs> Is that a bar in downtown Chicago? Must be. 
Uh, yeah, the jet sweep stuff. They they base it's funny because they base so much of the offense off of that, and the Rams are the same way. But <laughs> but they don't usually run that jet sweep too much. You you have to the the defense you know adjusts for it or accounts for it if there's a threat that you actually can run that. Whether or not you know you actually like you've shown that you will run that, and they didn't really run it too much last year. And part of that's because it was Geronimo Allison. They did so many little little pitches, little touch passes to Lazard, to Irvin, to all those, and now just I mean just setting up. Besides what it did today, all that stuff going forward you've now set up that you have a willingness to do that and you're dangerous doing that and that makes this offense even more powerful so i think i mean just seeing how many times they 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 pitch that to the jet man i think is huge for this offense in fact not only that they did it but they were successful that they showed they can do it um that that sets up a ton of that for this year and jake you've talked about that a lot this offseason just some of the organic growth within the offense of saying some of the biggest stuff that can happen in this Green Bay offense is that the the slot receiver is not Geronimo Allison and the mm-hmm. starting tight end is not Jimmy Graham. And instead it's guys like Tyler Irvin or Alan Lazard and Jay Sternberger and Robert Tanyan and Josiah DeGuara. And what are some of those things that you think now LaFleur, again, so many toys at his disposal. And what did you see today from some of that stuff that some of those things Dusty mentioned that you think could be big factors down the road that could get some of those bigger plays uh, for the Packers in subsequent games. Yeah, that's a great lead because that's that is exactly what I was going to talk about. Is this off season? You look at this team, and there was a lot of you know gnashing of teeth about how they went about their off season, and you can kind of compare it to like a, a player that's going into their contract year and saying, "I'm not going to sign that extension right now because I'm going to bet on myself." And the way the Packers went about this offseason was very much Matt LaFleur betting on himself and saying, hey, you know what? I really like the guys that we have here right now. I, I love them in year two of my offense. And who knows better than him? You know, he he's with those guys every single day. He understands what they're capable of and what they're capable of in his offense. So what they did is they really went out and they got a guy like Josiah DeGuara, who uh, he's not going to show up much on the stat sheet this week. He had that one uh little out. I don't even know what it was, but just a kind of a quick out out of the fullback position. He's going to do stuff like that. But then you, the, he had that huge block as well on that end around that you were talking about, but he's going to be that guy that maybe doesn't do all the stuff in the stat sheet, but he's going to show up in the final score. I mean, he did a lot of really good stuff for this team today. And what I love is you kind of see the vision for this offense at the end of the game when they threw in A.J. Dillon. Granted, he only had one carry in that fourth quarter on that drive, but you throw him in there, I mean, and you saw it already in his two carries. Nobody wants to tackle the guy. I mean, I think I think Eric Kendricks thought he wanted to, but I bet he didn't want to the second time he saw him. You know, and so you put him back there, you give him one carry, you get the offense, you get the defense thinking what we all were thinking. Okay, here we go. It's time for the hammer. They're going to just draw this game out. They're going to close it out with A.J. Dillon, and what do they do? jet sweeps Tyler Irvin and he picks up, you know, 20 some yards. Um, so that's just kind of the fun stuff that you're going to see, I think from this offense and stuff. I think they put that, I mean, and a lot of times with Matt LaFleur, he's putting stuff on tape too. Um, he's putting all those jet sweep actions on tape. So now going into next week, you know, the lions might are going to be thinking, Hey, we're going to have to really set these edges. We're going to have to really, you know, stay at home contain. And he might not run one next week, you know? So, what I love about Matt LaFleur last year that I think a lot of us lost in this offseason is how good of a week-to-week coach I think he potentially mm-hmm. can be by looking at what his personnel is, the personnel he's attacking, and how he's going to put together a game plan to be able to do that. And we saw week one. And make no mistake about it, Mike Zimmer is is that dude. He is a brilliant defensive mind. His Minnesota Vikings football teams, 
do not have bad defenses. This defense they saw today, uh, yes, they're down to Neil Hunter, one of the best players in football, in my in my opinion. And they still got dudes. Mike Zimmer's still going to bring pressure. He's still going to try to get after you. Aaron Rodgers was not sacked once today. You know, so that's that's a credit to Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, you know, just getting this game plan together. And so I think what we're going to see moving forward is exactly what I just said. You're going to see a guy and a team that is in year two of an offense that is a good offense that's going to be able to exploit weaknesses in teams on a week-to-week basis. So when we look at it that way, I'm excited, man. I, re- I really am because it's so much fun. We're not going to see just a team you know, stuck in you know slant flat, slant flat, slant flat every single week like we saw with Mike McCarthy, like just staples of his offense. He's trying to do it every week regardless of who they're attacking. Um, so I think that's what we're going to see. We saw a team with – Two young cornerbacks, and the Packers absolutely went after them with Devontae Adams. They were, I, I have not seen the all 22, but I would bet a lot of money that they were bracketing Devontae most of the game. And so, what did they do? Eight yards, 12 yards, eight yards, 12 yards. You know, it's there. Take it. And, and Devontae is going to be able to take it. So, that's what I'm most looking forward to moving forward is just the fact that Matt LaFleur is, is we're, as fans, we're in good hands. And here you go right here. Matt, my guy, thank you for doing this. Per ESPN stats, Rodgers was pressured only seven times on 44 dropbacks and went on a streak of 18 straight dropbacks with zero pressure. And that is with a team that was down one of its starting offensive linemen. Say what you will about Billy Turner. This is a coaching staff that believes that is one of their five best starters. And let me get into that a little bit to go for you, Jimmy, here, because from left to right today, the Packers starting offensive line was David Bakhtiari, Lucas Patrick, Corey Lindsley, Lane Taylor and Elton Jenkins. And kind of the big surprise was Elton Jenkins played right tackle. Now he didn't finish there and they played some shuffling along the offensive line, but how encouraged Jimmy were you seeing this offensive line play as well as it did? Albeit this isn't your original purple people leaders. Like Jake just mentioned earlier, they were down to Neil Hunter. They still have Yannick Ngakwe, albeit he was on a pitch count. That being said, Mike Zimmer is as good as they come on dialing up pressures, doing some different things to kind of get his guys in good positions. Something I thought last year that didn't get a lot of kind of pub was the way that Zimmer found ways to get his pass rushers free against Drew Brees and the Saints. And I don't think that got talked about a lot last year after the Vikings beat the Saints in a playoff game. Nonetheless, Zimmer's good as good as it gets on defense. The Packers were able to keep Rodgers clean, and that's going to be a good segue point into our next stuff. But How confident are you in this offensive line being able to sustain this kind of success? Because that was a huge concern moving forward. Obviously, they lost some of those guys due to injuries today, but that's going to be a big thing moving forward as the Packers try to sustain this level of success going through the year. Absolutely. I'm I'm confident. My confidence definitely went up in this game. It's hard not to when they've given up or when they gave up zero sacks and it wasn't even their full offensive line. But I'm still, it's still an area that is going to have to be addressed. And depth is a real concern right now. Um, Lane Taylor's, it looked like, I don't have an update. I didn't look. Um, it looked there like haven't Lane, been any as of yet. Yeah. It looked like Lane Taylor's injury was a pretty serious one, um, which sucked. I don't know. I, my heart went out to that guy. He was one of my, uh, I was a big fan of him this year, just making that comeback restructuring. He wanted to be with the team. That's a kind of a different story, but um, that sucked to see. And then Patrick went out. Running came in and stepped up. So the next next man up mentality was there for the Packers, which was great. But at the end of the day, when you're facing the 49ers later this season, you're facing the Bears twice. You have the Vikings again. Lions have flowers coming at you. Like 
the offensive line is going to have to be addressed and we're going to see what they do for depth, but my confidence went up, but it's still an area of concern for me for sure. Yeah. I wonder if Jared Veld here's phone will be ringing tomorrow morning as it probably should have a few weeks ago, but the Packers are going to be thin along the offensive line. That's going to be something that is going to need to be looked at uh, because if Lucas Patrick is, is down for the count and Lane Taylor, again, when they're saying that they're, they're concerned for him, that uh, sounds like something that might be a, a year long thing. Again, don't want to speculate. Don't want to, put the guy in injured reserve just yet, but obviously a not a good thing. And Packers down two star already down Billy Turner. Now that's three offensive guards that they're missing within one game of the season. So we'll see if Turner is able to come back next week. If he does, obviously that'll help. And we'll get to more of that in just a little bit, but guys, the story of this game and what's going to be talked about on uh, the radio and the Mike Florios of the world is the play of Aaron Rodgers, And that's just the nature of, of this. And I mean, honestly, though, it's, it's a positive thing. You know, Jimmy thinks Aaron Rodgers is overrated and that's fine. But <laughs> honestly, the, the first word that came out of my mouth and really was the, the turn of the game. And really the Packers, they got the ball first. They went right down the field and really had kind of a, a weird sequence in the red zone, something I didn't really fully understand what they were trying to do there. Um, but they end up kicking a field goal and then they have a sequence where they get stuffed at the goal line where they have the right call. Uh, they just don't end up scoring off of it. And then kind of a, a safety that really turns the game for the offense, which is weird to say that, but Jair Alexander um, impregnates our social media person <laughs> and sacks Kirk cousins in the end zone. So thank you Jair for that game on Wisconsin. will be expecting its first child uh, next. Uh, let's see what's nine months from now. That'd be June. So we'll be looking for that in June. Uh, thank you for that, Jair. Um, but the turning point was when Rodgers rolled to his right and he just throws a dart piss rocket to Devontae Adams in the right corner of the end zone. And the first word that came out of my mouth was, well, profane. The second word that came out of my mouth was vintage. Mm -hmm. And that was what it was. I mean, those are highlights that we were so used to seeing and just – things that we haven't seen in so long, or it feels like it's been so long, I guess, or just haven't seen consistently. And then really right after that, because you've seen throws like that maybe once, once a game or, you know, sporadically throughout a few bits, Jair Alexander gets an interception right after that with Rashawn Gary, right in his face, dusty. Thank you. I'm sure that that's something you might've pointed out later, but <laughs> Jair Alexander gets an interception and Rogers drops one in the bucket to Marcos Valdez Scantling again, dusty right in the bucket. And it's one of those. It's like, okay, this is a thing. Now it's officially Aaron Rodgers is playing like Aaron Rodgers, And it's something that it's not just the dink and duff dunk stuff, which was nice to see. It was nice to see him taking the easy stuff to the running backs and the crossing routes and things to the tight ends and all that kind of stuff. And that was just in the first half, but that deep ball to MBS, the accuracy that was there dropping the ball in the bucket. And then you just see some of the stuff in the second half where, I mean, I remember Bill Huber used to write stories all the time, blitz Aaron Rodgers at your own risk. Mm -hmm. And now, or lately, I should say it really was, that was the way to beat him blitz him because then you'll make him think he'll try and escape and it ends up being throw it out of bounds or he gets sacked or gets thrown at a receiver's feet, whatever today when the Vikings blitzed him, Rodgers found guys. The big play to Alan Lazard was on a blitz. There was a big play to Valdez Scantling. It was on a free play, but it was on a blitz. A few different things. 
Dusty, you have been on the Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers train for ever. Yes. How Correct. do you feel vindicated at all today having watched that performance or anything like I mean, just how satisfying was it to see Rodgers play like that in a game like that today? Yeah, I mean, this isn't about me, but it does it does feel very good. All right, Jacob. It feels very good. Ooh. No, I mean it's I mean it's it's honestly, and we'll see, it's one game, who knows? But this was something I mean, last year I was preaching this a bunch. I know, especially the game that I would always point to is that week 17 Lions game where they were just chuck, chuck, chucking. And, and he was missing, he was missing. And some of that was hesitancy. And some of that was, I think the guys running wrong options at the top of routes and things like that, just reading the defense wrong. So I think, uh, you know, before the big stuff started happening, the big stuff for me, there was a play, uh, I think midway through the first quarter or something that was go through three reads, bang, bang, bang downfield. And it's not there. And then you chuck it to, I think Jamal Williams in the flat. Uh, so just that, like, what I hoped all offseason was, okay, like he needs to put this back together. He needs to be more consistent. And I kept saying this is a – he just needs to be more comfortable. It's year two in the offense. He clearly – he was over-processing. He was overthinking. He was with the young guys. First year in new offense. That this next year, like this is it. Like it's going to start clicking. He still showed the ability. It was just that stringing those plays together. So seeing this and seeing the seeing how quickly he was processing that stuff and making that read – because I mean that's been one of the the – hits on him for a while has been, well, he doesn't check the ball down, which patently false, but, mm -hmm. oh, but it's, it's a narrative that, that people follow. <laughs> no, <laughs> Dusty, people wouldn't do that. Would I, they? Listen, listen, it's crazy. It's crazy, but sometimes they do Jacob. I, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I mean, seeing that out of him and again, it's, it's one game. It gets, it's against the Vikings who again, Zimmer's very, very good, but that defense huge turnover in that secondary, especially. So I, I hate to take too much from it, but just seeing how quickly he was able to process all that stuff. And then, yeah, just that downfield accuracy being on. I feel I feel like everything I hoped all offseason, I was watching going, all right, this is what I thought he was going to be. And so it's good seeing it for a game. So I'm hoping that carries through. But yeah, it was tremendous seeing it. Like it felt like it felt like five years ago, just watching the way he processed, watching just pick him apart where he could. Just those third downs to Devontae on the sideline. You just you've got that into anticipation. You know, you're checking down, and then you just take those shots when they open up. Like he just it was just a tremendous game from him. Just just reading the defense and also just being consistent. So yeah, I feel, feel great, Jacob. Thanks for asking. And I think I just want to add one thing to that too. And, and they talked in on the broadcast and we all were aware of the comments that Rogers made this off season about going back to 2010. And I saw something. It's like, what did he see? And I think just from my eyes today in this one game, it, it really did look like from the ground up from the way he was throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. um, everything was in, was one in rhythm. You didn't see any, you know, off the back foot YOLO throws today, which he can make, you know, he can do those, but they became the norm for him. And I think we talk about the Devonte throw, which was incredible. We talk about the MVS throw, dropping the bucket, which was incredible. But one thing that we're really spoiled with, it was the Alan Lazard throw. If you, if you go back and look at that, I mean, Lazard is auto room. There's not many quarterbacks that can lock lock load get rid of the ball that quick with the velocity that Rodgers did I mean just the way he's and he set his feet too. set his feet flicked his wrist got the ball right in there gave Lazard a chance which Lazard was probably thinking like there's no way he's gonna throw me the ball here I got three I got three yards of space left in this end zone um but that's really where I think we've gotten spoiled he, kinda, he it, dropped down he kind of had that three-quarter yep. slot too and he threw yeah. it yeah I mean that that's the stuff that that as much as anything is vintage Rodgers just making something where there really was no space and there, he had no business throwing that ball, but he put it in the only place that was a safe place to put the ball. 
Um, so that's the stuff that I'm really excited about moving forward with Rogers. And Jimmy, we were talking about organic growth and stuff within the offense and that comfort level really, again, everybody who's anybody has talked about it. And we were still for some reason on the tweet machine, pissing and moaning this morning about how the Packers didn't add anybody to their pass receiving core or their pass catching group. But Hey, that's what Twitter's great for. Everybody's allowed to have a platform. So that's awesome. Nonetheless, that comfort level appears to be something where it was like Rogers was a little more sure of himself. There's a, there's a highlight last year that I shared. It was a touchdown pass to Robert Tanyan and maybe dusty or Jake, you guys have gone through those games, Jimmy, maybe you have as well, but it's a touchdown pass to Tanyan and Rogers sees him in the back of the end zone and he double clutches, like just hesitates. Like he's just not a hundred percent sure what he's looking at. And Jake was just talking about that a little bit ago, but I didn't see that today. It didn't feel like he was like, I'm not a hundred. It felt today like the offense was just a little more well-oiled. And sometimes it's just as very simple as people think it's just as simple as I should say, well, nobody's open or Rogers isn't seeing open guys or nothing's there or whatever. And really there's 11 variables on every single play. And today it felt like those guys were really all on the same page and it all worked together just kind of in unison really well today. And the Packers were able to have that, that comfort level within their offense. So what did you think today on, on that? And how excited are you just thinking if it's that way in their first game of year two of Matt LaFleur, what it could be in subsequent games as we move forward against teams? Because here's another reality is the, the Packers are going to play teams with worse talent on defense. I know we mentioned that the Vikings were missing some guys, but still have Anthony Barr, still have Eric Kendricks, still have Harrison Smith, still have Anthony Harris. They still have some guys. Packers were able to move the ball essentially at will. So how excited are you for this uh, organic growth and having seen that in just game one? I'm a, so one kind of going back to what Dusty was saying too, and you just mentioned it with the Vikings having kind of a weaker secondary, even though they have other really high level talented players on their team. And I shouldn't even say secondary because it's mainly just the corners since they have two great safeties, but players on. that's kind of what you are when you're playing sec or corners like that, you kind of expect mainly just the corners since they have two great safeties. Is that just on my end? No, that's, that's, uh, that's, I hear it too. Oh, um, anyways, sorry, that was throwing me off. I was hearing it right back to me. I was like, what the hell is that? A little feedback tonight. Yeah. It sounds great. Honestly, that guy sounds sexy. Um, but Looking back to last season, like we were when we played the now Washington football team, the Panthers, the Giants, like teams that had kind of weaker defenses, and you expect to just kind of torch and Rodgers would do what he wanted. It didn't really happen. So it was great to see that today that with corners that really aren't up to Devontae's level and Rodgers' level, like we were making connections. Rodgers was kind of doing what he wanted, playing with him, toying with him. And it was it was great to see. And like you said, it's only week week one in in the system and their first kind of full their first full live game against another defense so i'm excited to see what happens the more they've gotten comfortable in the floor system and what adjustments he makes because that man is slowly moving up my man crush ranks here's what i'm i gotta just someone just tweeted this at me and it's funny because it's perfect timing about what we're talking about right now and it's a headline from espn it's is aaron Rodgers' week one performance a mirage (laughs) <laughs> Eric, Eric, Eric Arabelle explains why fantasy managers shouldn't expect many more four touchdown performances from Aaron Rodgers. Okay. He's overrated, guys. Did you not the see body's the not even cold yet. 
I mean, well, I mean, hey, this is again, they want to run the ball more, right? I mean, even yeah. though they had every opportunity to run the ball more today. And I guess they still just, yeah, Hey man, this is why I hate fantasy football. One of several reasons why I hate fantasy football, even though I still Speak, play it. Speaking of running ball, did you expect AJ Dillon to get the ball on that one yard line? I did. I think everybody no. in the world did. And they, yeah. and they didn't, I will no. say this, Jake, I think it was, you mentioned earlier, uh, giving the ball to Dylan on that one carry and, he got that head of steam and I, I thought somebody was going to die. Like <laughs> I seriously, he, he got a full head of steam and I think he got like kind of tripped up, I guess, but I yeah. thought he Eric, worked Eric up to a four speed. And, get knocked back like that either. Kendrick's you know, hit him, got know. knocked back. And then his first move after that was just like, pull his leg up as hard as he could. They couldn't move yeah. anymore. <laughs> I thought for sure when I saw Dylan come into the game, I was like, okay. Cause I knew that the time of possession difference at the time was what it was. I was like, okay, so now now is the time they're going to unleash AJ Dillon, and they didn't. And I give credit to Matt Lafleur on that too. I mean, again, AG NFB because that is I am as an offensive person, just kind of in general. That's how I want them to play play football is just score sixty and worry about the rest later, and and just kind of run from there. So and that's, that's it. I, I, wanna, I don't want to hijack. I got. I do have one take though, and this this kind of dawned on me the other day. I was on one of the AP shows for uh, the Chiefs, and what they've done with Patrick Mahomes, it, it makes me so sad that I don't think the Packers wasted Aaron Rodgers' prime, but I don't think they maximized it either. But look what the Kansas City's doing with Patty. Like, just give the dude weapons. Who cares about defense? Score one hundred points, and it doesn't matter. And I'm just like, man. I think they I think they got it right. Sorry, I just I had to get that take into the airwaves. They've invested some resources into defense too. I wish that they would have just used some more outside type resources too. But that's yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole. That's just make people sick. Yeah, it is. Some unsung heroes, guys. I just want to go through this real quick. Chris Barnes, number one. I want to give him a shout out as somebody that just got elevated from the practice squad on Saturday. He made a tackle on a screen pass and a possession that ended in a Vikings punt. If you guys haven't seen the video, Joe Kipp. Uh, I believe he's from the Packers wire. If somebody can verify that for me real quick, I believe that's the case. I apologize if I've butchered that, but I think that's where he's from. And he tweeted out the video earlier. If Barnes doesn't make this tackle, uh, the Vikings receiver hits his head on the goalpost or at minimum huge play instead ends in a Vikings punt. That's huge. The other one is John Runyon jr. Steps in at guard. And when it comes to offensive linemen, the general like layman's way of, analyzing offensive line play is if you're not calling his name, he's doing good. I still don't understand why the Vikings didn't try to do some more complex stuff with Runyon in the game, but they didn't kudos to them. Uh, Runyon, I think is somebody that is going to be a long-term piece for this mission or Michigan. Gosh, I think he's still in college <laughs> for this Packers offense. He was a long-term piece. He was four year starter at Michigan, uh, <laughs> but I think he's going to be a long-term piece for this Packers offensive line, whether that's at right guard, left guard. Some people speculate he might play center. Uh, he never did that at Michigan. So that would be interesting to me, but I did want to give those guys uh, a couple quick shout outs before we move into this, but we are running longer than I anticipated. So let's move into the other topic that I know, uh, is a big one from today, and that is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, a little up and down. Obviously, had the big touchdown before the half, and then he had two plays back-to-back that it was just like, oh. Um, has the crossing route uh, where he he might have scored again. Uh, at minimum, he probably has a chunk play, about 20-some-odd yards, but there's nobody around him. Uh, drops the ball. It's on a third down, ends up in a Packers punt. 
to the Packers credit to Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers' credit. They go right back to him on the very next play. It's the shot play. It's crossing route. MVS is out there. He's open. Doesn't make the catch. And it goes right off of his fingertips. Packers get a free play later. Again, to Rodgers' credit. Again, for all the talk about how Rodgers won't throw the ball to certain receivers, if he had a reason to not trust a receiver <laughs> at this point in the game, MBS had earned that at some point. Or at least any equity that he had built up was gone at least some of the way by that point. Rodgers went back to him. Another big play leads to a touchdown that that drive gets capped off on an up and down day. Dusty, you're as big of a fan as anybody I've ever met on Marquez Valdez Scantling. <laughs> Here's kind of my thought is still a young player, a late round athlete. I understand that uh, the consistency just isn't there yet, but it's kind of the James Jones syndrome, if you will. Like when we had our frustration of James Jones once upon now, they're completely different players. That's not what I'm saying, but the thought at the time was, well, James Jones is open. If he can just catch the ball, then there are big plays there to be made. The good news is MBS is open. Mm -hmm. If he can catch the ball that, I mean, look at it guys, MBS's final stat line today. I think he had four catches just under a hundred yards and a touchdown. And it very easily could have been six catches for a buck 50 plus and three touchdowns. Like he could have had just a monster day where on Monday, all of us are smashing the waiver wire button on our fantasy football teams, trying to get this guy on our team. Cause he's the Packers second wide receiver. I will say this. He was Rogers second most targeted wide receiver, whatever that is worth to you, make it what it is. You're on this hype train more than anybody. You believe in him more than any other receiver uh, aside from Devontae Adams, I should say, and maybe more than anybody on Packers media uh, other than maybe Aaron Rodgers himself. What were your thoughts today on his performance and what are some things that he can do to finish some of those plays that he had in front of him today? Uh, he can catch the ball. That's, that's one of the things <laughs> he can do to finish. Well, and, uh, and sometimes other, it really is that simple. It sometimes is that simple. Um, before we started recording, uh, I, there's two Jacobs. I'm going to say bearded Jacob. Bearded Jacob was saying the same thing that, that we had kind of talked about before. That is this like, the uh the inability to track the ball over his shoulder i don't think it's an inability he just hasn't shown it the consistent skill and at this point it's kind of a is this a hole in his game that cannot be fixed because it's tough to tell whether that's the case or not so here's what i'll say about him is that yeah he needs to he needs to catch the ball he's getting open they're drawing up stuff for him that he does but also this is and this is one of the reasons I'm, a couple of reasons i'm such a big fan of him one is that he can run routes this is this is very strange for people who are big fans of jeff janice there are things called routes that mvs can run besides just running fast in one direction so that's that's the thing we saw him run uh you know he had that crosser which whatever but he also he can run an out route like he can he can get off the line he's got pretty decent feet off the line like he's he's got those those skills there that you think okay he can make these better and he can get better at this but the other thing with speed like that doesn't necessarily matter if he's targeted six times a game. He doesn't matter if he catches a single pass as if he is, if he is shown to be a threat. And we, I talked about that earlier with the jet sweep stuff. If he, if he's shown to be a threat that he can make those catches and defenses have to account for that. So now you've got, let's just say you got the jet sweep and you're stretching it horizontal and you got MVS and you're stretching it. So you, now you're stretching the entire field and you've got a ton of room in the middle to work with. So whether MVS catches five passes in a game or MVS catches one pass in a game. It doesn't matter if he's a threat. And so that's one, that's one of the reasons I was such a big fan of him just his speed. And he has shown an ability to get open and do things other than just run straight 
really fast in a line to make him enough of a threat. And then the other thing, and the other thing is that again, you put all those things together now in his third year, if he starts putting all those things together. You now got a speed guy that can threaten with speed and hit some of that comeback stuff as well. And if the biggest question, this has been my, my biggest thing I had, I was on the, I shouldn't say this. I was on a Jamon Moore thing for like the same thing. And that didn't, that didn't work out well, but if you do everything else really well as a receiver and your only problem is catching the ball, you can be taught to catch the ball. Now the tracking over the shoulder, that's a different thing, but you can be taught to catch the ball. So I think he, all the little things he needs to do, I think he does really well. And so that's why I was kind of like, okay, this is, it's second year of this offense. Now he's the one deep threat. It doesn't matter if he gets targeted, he can still be a threat, but then also you could see all these little secondary skills kind of popping up besides just speed. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I felt really good coming into the game. I felt middling like in the third quarter after those couple drop passes. But like you said, Rogers kept going back to him. There's a trust there. Um, we, I mean, that was some of Rogers' hesitance before. I think is not trusting guys. Rogers trusts him enough to go back after a couple drop passes, and I think those two drop passes are, are an anomaly. So yeah, I feel, I feel very, very good right now about all the uh, the MP, MVS love. Yeah, I think that, uh, like you said, at, at minimum, even with those drops and everything, like you said, if he's a threat. I think after today, the lions are going to spend some time on him mm-hmm. thinking he's a threat. And if you're not keeping your eyes on him, he's going to run by you again, whether or not he catches the ball at that point, that might remain to be seen, but he's a threat to take it 70 to the house. Mm-hmm. Jake, what are your thoughts today? We talked about it. We've talked about it before, just the ball <laughs> tracking and some of that stuff. Is that something that's a concern moving forward? Um, I think so. Just, you know, Dusty talked about, I guess you can, you can be taught to catch the ball, but it's kind of like that center fielder type mentality. And, you know, all, any of us that, that played little league baseball, there were just kids that were good at it. And there were kids that weren't, you know, catching a fly ball. And I don't know what it is, but some people just have that ability to track the ball when it's high in the air like that and run under it. And um, I, I don't think MBS is, is a lost cause in there. I just think that's going to be something he struggles with, but like kind of what Dusty talked about, it doesn't always matter. Just the fact that he can get behind your defense. And if he catches 80% of them, then you have to account for it. It has to be in your meeting. You have to know where this guy is and you have to make sure he's getting help. Um, and just so if you can run off a corner 30 yards down the field, that's you're playing, you know, 10 on 11 football, you know, or 10 on 10, um, moving a guy out of the box and being able to do some stuff underneath. So uh, it, it's a valuable skill set that he has. And, you know, I, I hope that he figures it out. And, you know, and, and to my, to, to this point too, like, I, I don't know, you know, I have no idea. He could never drop a ball again. And, you know, we had guys, James Jones, you mentioned, uh, Devonte Adams had trouble catching the ball early on in his career. Jordy Nelson had trouble catching the ball early on in his career. And those were not guys that I think you look back now later on in their career and say, wow, they had terrible hands. Um, sometimes it just takes some time, you know, and, and MVS, I think the confidence of 12, that he knows. I mean, that that's a message to to MVS too. The fact that he knows that QB one came back to him twice, you know, and and he's gonna keep doing it. And, and that can be half that mental battle as well. Is you know, last year MVS might have gotten his own head thinking, gosh, well now I'm never gonna get any passes. Um, Rogers went out there and threw the ball back to him again. So um, I'm excited for what he can bring to this offense. I'm excited for that trio of wide receivers. Alan Lazard, you know, brings his own unique skill set as well. Um, so I think. You know all the all the turmoil about the wide receiver position over this offseason. It might be a, a mute point, you know, in, in a few weeks here. Yeah, and it might prove to be a thing again. We don't know. I mean, it's just one game in at this point. We're not crowning anyone or anything like that. But uh, Jimmy, what are your thoughts right now on this point of MVS potentially 
proving to be a, a deep threat for this offense that they could rely on. Yeah, I think he's one of the players that have benefited the most of, <clears throat> excuse me, benefited the most of another season with Matt LaFleur. Uh, he's today showed he has that big play capability. And I don't know if, how I feel saying this, but it kind of reminded me of when the Panthers, when they went on that 15 and one season and they had Ted Ginn Jr. on the team. And it's either he caught the ball and it was a big play or he was dropping the ball. Uh, hopefully those little things get fixed, but like he made enough. I think those two big plays today were enough to have the Lions worry about him next week saying like, if you don't have your eyes on this man, like he's going to blow by you and he's going to, he's going to capitalize on your mistake. So hopefully they get some stick or something on those gloves. But like you said, you can fix it. It's, it's week one, first time in a game atmosphere. It could just be, he had low confidence after that first drop, got in his head and dropped another one. So we'll see, but I have a lot of confidence in MVS. Yeah, that'll remain to be seen. Like I said, that's kind of like one of the keys that unlocks this offense. We talked about a little more with Josiah DeGuara earlier from the receiver standpoint. There is no receiver on this team that has more value other than Devontae Adams than MBS just because of the things he could do. And if MBS can make Devontae Adams' job even easier, Devontae Adams, by the way, uh, still really damn good. Uh, 14 catches, a touchdown, 100 plus yards. He's, he's really good. Uh, newsflash for those question we had come in and that's what I want to segue to is are we concerned about the defense at all so guys that leads to my question is garbage time or garbage game and the point I have here so here's the point if you want to say it was garbage time so the Packers gave up an opening drive touchdown and Packers Twitter you never disappoint says okay <laughs> here we go again Packers run defense NFC championship game form which I understand that was an eight play 75 yard drive six runs it looked like a hot knife through butter I get it it wasn't pretty to start the game Believe it or not, football is a four-quarter game. Packers got the ball back, and amazingly enough, the Vikings didn't score again for quite some time. After the opening drive TD, this is how the Vikings' possessions went until the score was 29-10, to 10, okay? This is how it went. Two plays, safety. Three plays, punt. Two plays, interception. Three plays, field goal, end of the half. Six plays, punt. Six plays, turnover on downs. The Vikings didn't score a touchdown again until the score was 29 to 10, like I mentioned. So if you want to call it a garbage time kind of game, that's your argument. Now, if you want to call it a garbage game, then you could say they gave up 34 points. Some things were a little too easy. The end of the half sequence that the Packers had after going up 22 to seven was a little boggling to me just because it was the Vikings were content to go in down 22 to seven. You got a draw play where Darnell Savage slips and falls over his own feet, loses contain, gets them a big play off that. They have a play where Kyle Rudolph makes a play down the middle of the field. They have a penalty, and bang, all of a sudden they're in field goal range. Very easy field goal, uh, and they go to the end of the half. That was a really bad sequence at the end of the half. A couple things got too easy. Matt LaFleur said in his postgame press conference, something I appreciate about Matt LaFleur is he'll tell you if he thinks that something didn't go well, and that includes himself. They asked him if he felt he took the foot off the gas. He said, I'll have to watch the tape uh, as far as the defense goes. He said, but it certainly felt that way in the game. Uh, so that's something I would like to see them go. As far as everything went defensively, Jair Alexander is obviously, I think, your star of the game. Uh, an interception that gave them a touchdown before the half. The sack for the safety, which kind of turned the tide of the game. Somebody in here earlier asked a question, and I've been meaning to get to it. Let's see if I can find it again and pull it up. Yeah, it said somebody asked who analyzes was was it scripted? Was he supposed to blitz? Jair basically said he read run, and once he realized it wasn't a run, he just kind of shot his shot. So 
That was just a player making a play. So good for him on that because it really did. It changed the tide of the game because it goes from seven to three, and the Vikings have the ball with a chance to make it 10 to three, 14 to three, with it now being seven five, and the Packers get the ball back. And it really, really did. Like I said, it changed the side of the game. The interception was a big one as well because it gave the Packers a chance to make it 22 to seven before the end of the half. Now, like I said, garbage game or garbage time, I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. I think there are some things that the Packers made a little bit too easy. It was nice to see Zadarius Smith get a sack, but as far as pressuring the quarterback, I didn't think there was a whole heck of a lot of that going on. Kind of disappointing to see Preston Smith a little quiet today. Rashawn Gary was a little bit quieter than I would have anticipated seeing him in this first game against an offensive line that frankly, I don't think is very good. So some of that going on, Darnell Savage didn't have his greatest day. That's something that's a little concerning to me going forward. Uh, the, the first touchdown that Adam Thielen had was not pretty, but overall, I think those issues are kind of correctable. Um, I think it's when the score is 29 to 10 and then it's 36 to 17 and then what 43 to 24 or something, you know, whatever the scores end up distancing themselves like that, which kudos to the Vikings for socially distancing themselves on the scoreboard. Everybody make sure you're staying safe. Everybody's got to do their part. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Yep. We're all in this sucker together as Matt LaFleur would like to say. So kudos to the Vikings on that uh, for doing that today, but I got it. So I just, so that Jair, I didn't, I didn't realize he had said that, that he, yeah, that he read run and he was wrong. So he just shot his shot. And the, the, the coach in me, you know, is very much just like, you're screaming at this. Like, no, no, no. Yes. Yes. All right. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of one of those moments, I guess. Um, but, you know, I, at the end of last season, I think I, I got some flack for saying Jair could still take another step when mm-hmm. people are like, no, he's already, you know, borderline all pro. And you're right. He is. He's very good. But the next step for him to take is making plays like that, you know, is intercepting balls, making game tilting, you know, sacks and and fumbles, you know, just taking the ball away. And so he did that today. And so I think he's well off, um, off to a great start. And Dusty, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I, I, looking at the Packers defense, I don't think they, they don't two gap a lot, which is basically, you know, saying, hey, I've got this and I've got this and I've got both these gaps and I'm going to I'm going to defend both of them, what they from from the naked eye, what it appears they do is, you know, Blake Martinez left last year and said, "I'm trying to make Z or Zadarius and Preston right," mm-hmm. and he did he did said it in kind of a negative way, but it's not a negative thing always. It just means you need to be right too, linebacker, because they're basically giving their defensive lineman the red or the green light to say, "I've got these two gaps and I'm going to win in one of them, and whichever one I win in, Blake or you know." Kirksey or Barnes, you need to, you need to be in the other one right. and you need to read that. And I think what we saw today is them doing that. And we saw a defense that has not played any live reps this year. That first drive, let's not forget that first drive was the first live action against another football team they've taken since last year in San Francisco. And Gary Kubiak is, is no slouch when it comes to running the ball. So Garbage game, yes. I, I think, yeah, they didn't play well. Like, I think their run fits were not very good. I think Darnell Savage had a, an atrocious game. But I think that's fixable stuff. I think that's stuff that's going to get better as they play more often. And it's going to get better as, especially a guy like Kirksey, gets used to playing behind those guys. And Barnes was on the practice squad flipping three days ago. So, uh, And he played well. You know, he made a couple plays. But I think when we watch the All-22, we're going to see that he um, was guilty on some of those runs as well. 
Uh, so I think it was a garbage game and garbage time, like you said, Jacob, somewhere in the middle. Um, but I'm not hitting the panic button. Not yet. Not anytime soon, really. And, uh, you know, talking about covering the Chiefs last year, last year at the beginning of the season, I, I said something very similar that I said about Aaron Rodgers today. And it's like, wow, Pat's going to have to throw 50 touchdowns if the Chiefs are going to win any games this year because their defense was atrocious at the beginning of the year. And they played phenomenally down the stretch. Um, so it's just kind of, you know, defense like anything else. You got to get hot at the right time. But those are fixable things. You know, fingers crossed that Kenny's back. If he's not, my, I, I'm not hitting the panic button, but it's getting it's getting close. And I'm starting to get that kind of itchy trigger finger to go just say, okay, Snacks, what do you want? I'll, I'll yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I don't know. Dusty, you can talk about that too because I, I don't even know if I'm 100% right on even what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was I was not gonna talk about that at all. No, you sounded sounded right to me. I'm gonna give you the thumbs up. Um, I I mean, I think for me, it's just it's been, it's it's tough it's tough to kind of tell because it's uh, all off season. It's been all we've heard is they can't stop the run. They can't stop the run, which they clearly struggled with last year. I mean, it wasn't just it was the Niners game, but it was also you know the Eagles game, and they they had they had issues with the run. Now, just quick aside. A lot of people like to say they can't stop the run. They can't stop the run as if every single team is built to run the ball like the Niners and they are not. So, I mean, this is, it's not being able to stop the run is not a death knell in in any kind of NFL defense in 2020. Like that's not a huge deal, but we've heard that all off season, all off season when they can't stop the run. They haven't done anything to address the line. They've done nothing to address the line. They have linebackers, which I, I don't care about inside linebackers, like even a little bit. So fine, whatever, throw Chris Barnes in there and he's fine. That's fine. Don't draft an inside linebacker in the first round, please. And thank you. And then they come out and it's just, it's all just so easy. Like it's Dalvin cook, you know, at the certain point it looked like 12 yards a pop, like just without getting touched. It was, it looks so easy sometimes. And so that's, I've not gone back and rewatched it again, but in your mind, you're thinking, I mean, this is what we, this is like all off season. That's been a thing with they, they haven't done anything with the D line. They had trouble with the run last year. Is this going to be a problem? But then you see stuff like that and then Clark goes down. So, I mean, it's, it is kind of a I, – I don't think they played particularly well. I also don't think they played horribly uh, throughout the entire course of the game. And it's also, to combine all that, one game with no preseason in the weirdest offseason ever. So it's one of those, like, what they could have played lights out, and they also could have played worse than they did. And I'm also just throwing out some of what happened in this game just because of that. It's really hard to quantify that. So um, we won't know for another couple of weeks whether this is – whether they're good or whether they're bad, I don't think. Um I think there was good. There was good and bad. I think I think Chris Barnes playing well was was awesome. I really enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it's I'm going to wait and see on it. They didn't look great, but I also don't think they were terrible. I'm going to sit somewhere right lukewarm, just right in the middle. I'm going to take this for what it's worth. Dalvin Cook ran for 50 yards total. He only had 12 carries. A lot of that probably because of the score at the point that we were at. So that's probably got a lot to do with it. Uh, as far as the defensive line goes you guys both hit on it. Kenny Clark is that's one where you got to hold your breath. I think the Packers can weather the, the loss of Lane Taylor, which take this for what it's worth. Pro football doc at pro football doc on Twitter says Lane Taylor likely tore his ACL based on the video that he's yeah. seeing. That's not hundred percent, but that one would stink. Lucas Patrick. I think they could weather that storm. Uh, Kenny Clark to me is other than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers plays quarterback is the most indispensable player on the Packers roster, just because the second player behind him, whether it's Dalen Mack, who's currently on their practice squad, um, 
Tyler Lancaster, name your guy. You know, I don't think it really matters who that would be. I would like to see Dalen Mack brought in to the active mm-hmm. roster next week. Uh, regardless of if Kenny Clark's healthy or not, he's just somebody who I think can, you know, you mentioned snacks, Jake. I think that their thought is Dalen Mack can do that and he's younger. Yeah. So that seems to be um, the thought process there. But, you know, I, I kind of like your guys' thoughts on that. Jimmy, what are your thoughts? You know, garbage time, garbage game. What are your, what are your thoughts on those kind of things? Um, like you said too, it's the answer is always somewhere in the middle, but <clears throat> that second touchdown to Thielen that we gave Trubisky some credit before, but that was a really good throw from cousins. Mm-hmm. to Thielen. It was right over the fingertips of Jair Alexander. He had good defense. It was just a better throw. Like, mm-hmm. um, so you have to give him credit for that, but a lot of it, I don't know. We, we, there are a lot of highlights and this is going to kind of sound, this might sound dumb for a second, but like you guys all mentioned, this is our first time going up against another, another team. We've been going against the same guys or they've been going against the same guys, all training camp, everything. And I'm putting it to like training for like boxing or like MMA. You're going with the same sparring partners over and over. You're going to start relying on moves that work for them and you start doing it over and over. Now you're going to get a, against a different team with different skill sets. You try to do those moves. It's not going to work. And so this could just be a feeling out period. You're going against different people. You're trying to do different things. So it, I'm going to be de tackle next year. I didn't want to share it, but now Todd kind of outed me. No, but I I'm like Dusty already said, there's some worrying parts for sure. There are some bright spots, but a lot of this you do kind of have to throw out because it's just the first first time we're going against another live team. Yeah. And I think that Jake, you kind of hit on it too, as you talked about how the chiefs defense at the beginning of last season was terrible. And you really said like, yeah, Patty's going to have to throw 50 touchdowns if they're going to win because their defense was bad. And it kind of gets lost in the shuffle that Kansas city's defense kept them in that super bowl game because it was 20 to 10 midway through the fourth quarter. The chiefs offense couldn't solve that Niners defense. And without Kansas city's defense being able to kind of stand up to that Niners offense until with, couple gaffes here or there from Kyle Shanahan, notwithstanding without that Kansas city's not holding that super bowl trophy. So what I say that to say that the defense can get better. And frankly, there's too many talented players on this defense, assuming Kenny Clark's able to come back healthy and hopefully he's able to play next week uh, against Detroit, but there's too many talented players on this defense with the Smith brothers, with Rashawn Gary, with Jair Alexander and Kevin King and Amos and Savage and, those guys for them to not be better than they were today. Now, I don't know if they'll end up being like a top, you know, one to five, top five kind of unit, but can they be better than they were today? Absolutely. So I think you'll see some of that stuff. I think that there'll be some things that'll get corrected as well, as far as not taking your foot off the gas, the way that Matt LaFleur mentioned, if he deems that that has been uh, something that they, he basically said that he felt that that was an issue. He kind of protected Mike Patton by saying he'll have to look at the film, but by saying it felt that way, that's kind of his way of saying that it happened. Guys, we're going to wrap up one other name here. We got Dave Steger saying Marcel Darius. That could be one too, that Hmm. he's a free agent. Um, That could be somebody to add some beef beef as well uh, towards the end here. So we're out of time. Let's look ahead a little bit next week. Just some first thoughts here on Detroit. It's the home opener in green Bay. Uh, obviously no fans, unfortunately, until at least November 1st. Uh, I am remaining optimistic on hoping that maybe there will be some capacity at those games uh, for the Vikings in November, but not holding my breath necessarily. But I'm going to try and be optimistic for you guys in this case. But no fans this Sunday. Um, at the Packers are 1-0. The Lions are 0-1 after a 
I don't even know what's called a lion's loss against yeah. the bears. That's really the best way to put it. Um, Adrian Peterson returns to Lambeau field. So I fully expect him to go for a hundred yards. Uh, Cause that just kind of yeah. seems to be what he does, but uh, it's another one of those things. I, I don't think the lions match up very well with the Packers. There's just, it's not like they do a lot of things. I know one guy who had a pretty good game today that could give the Packers fits is TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa. Uh, who's now back and healthy for Detroit this year. Matt Stafford typically plays pretty well against Detroit. He's healthy. But at the end of the day, listen, the more that Matt LaFleur progresses, and he's somebody that when they hired him, I said it myself, I have zero expectations. I don't know what to expect. He's never been a head coach before. The more I learn about him, the more I think he's a good coach, and he's progressing slowly into potentially a great one as well. And Matt Patricia is going the other way. So... (laughs) The Packers certainly have an advantage of that when Matt LaFleur is able to game plan week to week, the way that he does green Bay has the advantage that way. And I just don't see this glaring matchup that Detroit is going to be able to take advantage of. I think this game might be a little frustrating just because Matt Stafford is really good. So they might be able to pile up some yards, but just as a first general look ahead, I think green Bay is going to be able to get enough points again. And it might be another one of those games where you look up at the end of the game and be like, man, Aaron Rodgers is piling up them yards and points again. And, We'll have to read another ESPN article that says, okay, well, you know, he had another four touchdown performance, but he's not going to do it three weeks in a row. They play in New Orleans. So that's kind of my first thought on the look ahead. Jimmy, what do you think? Just kind of a general thought as a look ahead to Detroit. Yeah. I'm looking at this as another chance for the Packers to kind of, kind of do what they do with the Vikings, a team that you just said, we seem to outmatch them in a lot of the key positions and same with the lions. So it's another time to show good teams are supposed to be bad teams. So it's another time to show, we're not going to have the struggles we did last year. Like I mentioned before, against we did against the Giants, the Panthers, and the, the Washington football team. So taking this time to kind of put a beating down on a team that's that's inferior to the Packers, at least we hope to be. Dusty, yeah. early thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, you're, you're talking about LaFleur. I want to touch on that for a second because that was one of the things last year. I mean, he, he put together a good script. Um, and I know he even kind of mentioned at the end of the year, like, he had been calling plays one year before he came to Green Bay. And there was, there was times like he kind of knew what he was doing, but I think some of his rhythm, when, when do I call what, uh, you know, some games he seemed a little by the end of it, seemed to, seemed not quite to stay probably with the plan he was hoping to. He didn't quite have that rhythm. I know some things kind of fell apart him a little bit. Heck of a game today. Like if that's – and that's something I know he was going to improve on, he was working to improve on. If this is what LaFleur is as far as this this play caller, and we already know the way he schemes stuff up, the way he thinks through an offense is just tremendous. But if he has elevated his game as a play caller and this is what can be expected going forward, I, man, sky's the limit. Um, so, yeah, big fan of that. But, yeah, for next week, I'm, I'm the same boat. It feels odd to say um, I'm more worried about the Lions than I was about the Vikings, I guess. Is that that feel right that, that – doesn't feel right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the Packers should win. Like you said, it's, it's Stafford, it's the lions lions seem to, to give green Bay some trouble. So we'll see, but if the offense, if the offense plays like they did today, um, you know, Devante had, you know, I think whatever the one drop or the, the kind of bobble on the sideline there, MVS had a couple, but now you've set up all the jet sweep stuff. You've shown MVS a threat. If they play like that and you're, and now you're working maybe Deguara in a little bit more, you're working Dylan in a little bit more. Um, I, I mean, I fully expect there to be a lot of points. So I think the Packers win uh, likely by at least 10. Um, but, it, but I felt the same way against both, both games last year, which they won, but neither of those games were pretty. So 
<laughs> no idea what to expect against the Lions, but I, I hope for a pretty big win. They, they certainly have it, all the pieces set up to do that. I think when people like say that the Packers are the worst 13 and three team, when that bit comes up, those Lions games are the ones at the forefront of their mind. So Jake, we'll end, uh, end with you here. What are some of your guys' thoughts or what are your thoughts just looking ahead to Detroit? I mean, uh, you know, Matt Stafford is better than Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Lions just find a way to lose, though, man. They, they just do. And I, I'm excited to not see Eric Kendricks ruining every single swing pass or dump off pass to a running back. Gerard Davis is a far cry from Eric Kendricks in that department. So I'm looking for the running backs to have a better day in the passing game. And as uh, Pastor Cheesehead down here just said in our comments as well, he talked about the fourth quarter prevent defense that also prevented a W for the Detroit Lions this last weekend. That kind of just goes with what I'm saying. The Lions, I mean, I might be kicking myself for saying this. I think the Lions have a pretty talented roster, but they, they're, the, they're the Lions, man. They find a way to lose games. And until they don't, that's kind of the mentality I take into those games against those guys. There is no more Detroit Lions stat than the one that emerged from last year against the Packers than that the Packers trailed or excuse me, the Packers led for zero seconds in both Lions games <laughs> and won both of them. So we're out of time. We went way longer than we were supposed to, but the conversation was good, so we cannot complain. Thank you guys for sticking with us, for everybody in the comments. Pastor Cheesehead, Jones are too. Even you, Todd, you're ugly as all get out, but I appreciate you for sticking around. <laughs> Patty Hugh, Dave Steger, all you guys, I thank you guys for sticking around. We've got people coming through. I thank you guys for following us here on Twitter. That is Game On WI. Subscribe on YouTube, Game On Wisconsin. Find us on Facebook and our website, gameonwi.com. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. You can find Jimmy Christensen at Jimmy C under, or Jimmy underscore C08. I think I screw that up every week when I do that too, Jimmy. So, so do I. I. I guess where the underscore is a lot of the time. That's You should probably <laughs> so stop I. putting underscores <laughs> in your Twitter handle and be an adult about it. But I made that okay. when I was in my guys. Back off, man. You know what? I, that's okay. <laughs> so, it will be at Lombardi's Bar on Wednesday night where they will be having Purple Crush for uh, for their drinks on that evening. So make sure you guys bathe in it. For that, we have Jake Stack, Jacob Morley. You can follow him on Twitter and find his work over at Packer Report. He does the game preview on – does that drop Sunday mornings, Jake? Yep, yep. And we're doing a little bit different this year. So we're doing a game preview, and I'm trying to find a bunch of just kind of uh, wacky stats to kind of go into the game. So I think it's a lot more enjoyable this year, actually, some good stuff uh, that people can take into the game and, and kind of uh, see if it happens again. Yeah, it was a fun little thing to go through. And, of course, like I mentioned, the film legend that is Dusty Evely. He is on the internet. I think that's probably the best way to describe everything all over the place. So uh, Dusty, why don't you kind of tell us where and when everything drops? Cause at this point I got a really hard time keeping track of where and when I got, I got to remember, man, it's the first week. I got to remember where everything goes. Uh, Wednesdays over on Cheesehead, uh, I have my uh, passing chronicles where I'm looking at kind of passing concepts from the past week, which cannot wait for this week. This is gonna oh be yeah. Fun. That'll be a good one. Uh, that's going to be really, really fun. Um, I think also on Wednesday, I think, cause I have to check my schedule over on Packer report. I have um, my favorite pressure, which Andy Herman always thinks I say my favorite pleasure, which kind of, 
you know, kind of. Uh, so, and that's, uh, you know, I look at some pass rush stuff, which, you know, Petten kind of dialing some stuff up. I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if you see Jair kind of showing up there this week. And then uh, later in the week over on Packer Report, I think Thursday, I think Thursday, uh, I usually take like one offensive play and really do a deep dive. Um, the what, what Ross told me when he brought me on over there was, uh, just do one or two plays and feel free to get as nerdy as you feel like it. So I have <laughs> legit just have like different football reference books in front of me and I'm looking up, you know, with historical concepts and all that stuff. So, uh, so yeah, pretty big week. Um, every time the game ends, it's like the clock starts. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Wednesday's Packer report and she said, and then uh, again, Thursday's over Packer report. It's fun. It's been fun, guys. Packers 43, Vikings 34. It's Victory Sunday leading into Victory Monday. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Again, Sundays for Game On Wisconsin. We've got all kinds of stuff, and next week we'll be packed and loaded again for the home opener, Packers and Lions. Thank you guys for listening and watching all day long, and go Pack Go.